Barbara Rainey was a college student with a brand new relationship with God. Suddenly, her life was full of meaning. My purpose in life became to live my life for Christ. I didn't know what he wanted me to do. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know where he wanted me to go. But I was fully convinced that the only choice and the very best choice was for me to live my life according to his plan. Welcome to Ever Thine Home with Barbara Rainey, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience God in your home. Thanks for listening. In a recent episode, Barbara shared how she first heard the gospel and came to Christ. That was in her sophomore year of college. We're continuing this series on Barbara's early years as a way to help you get to know Barbara better. Because as you hear about the lives of others, you begin to learn from them and apply lessons they learned to your own life. Barbara's newfound faith affected her perspective on all of life. By the time I got to be a junior in in uh, college, you know, after those two years, my sophomore and junior year, I was really majoring in Christianity and in Christ. I was not majoring in history anymore. Now, I went to class, I studied, I made decent grades, but what I was living for was not graduation. I was not living for what my history degree was going to get me. I was living for Christ. And so all my spare time, all my free time, I was in Bible studies. I was talking to other girls and guys on campus. I was going on retreats. It was my passion. It was my focus. I was so amazed that I had never heard this before. Where, where did I miss this? And so I went home and I started telling my parents all about this and my brothers. I'm the oldest and have three brothers and they all heard it. It didn't go over real well. And it's not because my parents didn't believe or they weren't open to uh, spiritual matters, but my mother in particular, um, I think she felt like I was saying that they didn't raise me right. She took it personally that I was saying that them taking me to church wasn't enough. And that never crossed my mind, but they didn't understand. I came home and I was really zealous. The word zealous really applies. I I wanted my family because I love them. I wanted them to know this good news that I had never heard before. Another new relationship began during this time in Barbara Peterson's life. It was with a guy named Dennis Rainey. Well, it's it's funny. Both of us have tried to figure out when it happened, and we can't remember. But I, I know that it was sometime in the fall of my sophomore year. So within a couple of months of my receiving Christ, I met him at one of the, the big group meetings that we had every week, wasn't it? Right. Every week. Not long after that, I started kind of noticing him, and I think he called, and we talked on the phone a few times, and I thought, this is kind of a nice guy. I'd like to go out with him. But I'd never ask her out. He was honoring. Because you've told me that you knew that I kind of wanted you to ask me out. And so because you knew that, you sensed that I wanted to go out with you, you weren't going to ask me. So well, it was Henri. <laughs> the, the truth is, I, I dated nearly half of her sorority. I took up, I took about, who knows, I don't know, 20 or 30. I, I, to this day, I really can't explain that other than it was timing. It just wasn't, wasn't the right time. We did go out one night. However, to, as I recall, an Italian restaurant somewhere and really had a delightful conversation. And uh, the natural thing for me to have done after that meal would have been to have called her up and said, would you like to do that again? 
but I didn't do that. And I, I, I don't know if I was playing hard to get or not, but it, uh, my, you know, kind of the, the, the scales fell off my eyes about, uh, I guess, a couple years later. Dennis and Barbara found companionship in their common cause. Oh, let me tell you what we did. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we, we formed an underground Christian revolutionary group. Now, we weren't blowing up anything, nothing like that, but we but were... But there were students in that generation who were blowing up buildings and who were doing physical damage, and we wanted to provide a counter... Peaceful. ...offensive, kind of, that right. was a spiritual push onto the campus to, to be the opposite side of that negative. So dur- during student body uh, elections, uh, we ran Christ for student body president and resident of your life. And we created a little... A little flyer that was printed on both sides. And, and Barbara designed it. She used her We art. walked all over campus handing those out to every kid that would take one. Yeah, 5,000 of them. We, were, we wanted to make Jesus Christ the issue. They published an underground newspaper. We printed several copies. Uh, we called ourselves the Liberators. And are you going to tell the listeners how many of us there were in this top secret group? <laughs> Well, Well, they'll enjoy it. It was a movement. It was a movement of three. (laughs) (laughs) So this trio, these three, were comprised of Dennis, Barbara, and Dennis's roommate. You know, we just felt like if Jesus is who he claimed to be, and he is, then everybody on campus needs to know. And I'll I'll be honest with you, I don't think there were many people out of the 10,000 folks who attended the University of Arkansas back in the late 60s who didn't hear we were in the student newspaper kind of debating, you know, popular atheists and, and again, trying to make Christ's claims about individual people's lives known to people so they could make a commitment to him. Mm-hmm. So Barbara found her desires and aspirations changing. I was starting to think about what I wanted to do with my life. And the, the time frame in which this happened was not only the time frame of a lot of student revolt on other campuses, not ours, but on other campuses. It was also the time that Hal Lindsey wrote his book, The Late Great Planet Earth, in which he talked about the second coming of Christ. Of course, that was new information to me, too. All of it was. But, I mean, I was reading everything I could get my hands on. And I was convinced that he was absolutely right. And as were all the rest of us students, we were all convinced. And it never occurred to me that that it might not be imminent. We thought it was going to be tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the next day, but not as many years as it's been. But because of all of that, my purpose in life became to live my life for Christ. I didn't know what He wanted me to do. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know where He wanted me to go. But I was fully convinced that the only choice and the very best choice was for me to live my life according to his plan. And so I had decided by the time I was a junior that I wanted to go into ministry. I wanted to go on the mission field. And at that time, the most logical choice for me was to go on with Campus Crusade because that was the ministry that I was involved in. Campus Crusade for Christ was an interdenominational parachurch organization founded by Bill and Bonnette Bright in the 1950s. It's now known by the shortened name, Crew. Barbara knew she wanted to spend her life telling others about Jesus. She says her parents weren't terribly surprised when she told them she wanted to join a ministry full-time. It wasn't as difficult or dramatic because I'd been doing it now for three years, and I think they'd kind of gotten used to the fact that this was what I really cared about now. 
they still didn't understand it because going into the ministry in their perception, and again, based on their background, which was mine, was to be in the ministry, you had to work for a church. And so for me to go into a ministry where I had to raise my own financial support and then I was going to go work on a college campus was a very new and foreign concept. But again, they'd heard me talk about it enough over those three years that I think by then they were just kind of resigned. I bet her dad did research. Oh, I'm sure he did. On Campus Crusade for Christ to make sure it wasn't a cult. If I was a betting man, mm-hmm. I would I would bet your father because he really loved his daughter, mm-hmm. and and I, I think the natural tendency back then was to go. This kind of seems like a cult, mm-hmm. you know. What's and going on? There were a on lot here? of people that did think it was, but to my parents' credit, even though they didn't understand what I was doing, they were very supportive. And when I would go have meetings around town and and share with people that I was raising financial support to go into the ministry and told my story, they came and listened. They, my mom helped bring refreshments and my dad helped set up tables and they were, they were very supportive. I think they were scratching their heads and thinking, where did this come from? Because they never saw it coming, but um, they were very supportive. So I was dating Dennis's roommate. So that was a part of the reason we were a trio and we really were a trio. We did almost everything together. And that's part of the way I got to know Dennis because he was just a really, really good friend. So I was wondering in the back of my mind, my junior and senior year, if marriage to this other guy was God's will. But I was still committed, no matter what, to figuring out what God's will was for my life, because that was more important to me than marriage was. And if marriage was a part of God's will, then I was going to go that way. But doing what God wanted me to do was more important than anything. And I didn't know for sure if that included marriage, but It could have. But I remember very clearly my first year on staff with Campus Crusade, having this this thought process go through my head. And I had since called off the relationship with um, this boyfriend because it was very obvious to me that it was not God's will. So I'd walked away from that. And I remember thinking that year, you know, relationships are just really complicated. And I really don't want to go through another dating relationship unless I know for sure It's the man God wants me to marry. So I kind of made this deal with God. And I said, Lord, I want to do whatever you want to do. And if I'm single until I'm 30, that is fine with me because I only want to do what you want to do. So I sort of began to make plans for the next decade being single. And I was thinking maybe I could become a speaker and I could travel to other campuses. I can lead Bible studies. I'll, I'll just pursue that. And so I was really and truly, I was headed that direction. Because I knew that God's will was bigger and better than mine. And I knew, I experienced firsthand because that relationship was not a good relationship. And I knew that God had more for me. I knew what He had was going to be healthy and right and everything that I'd ever dreamed of. So I was determined that I wasn't going to get in God's way. And if that was a part of his plan for me, great. And if it wasn't, then I knew what he had if I was single for the next 10 years, that that was going to be better. We'll hear more next time about how God took Barbara and Dennis from being just friends to engaged and then married. But Barbara points out it's important for us to submit to God's will for our lives, even when things don't line up like we think they should. Well, and Paul said, in whatever state you're in, to be content. And there are days when that's not easy to do, but he's saying what I said, which is God's plan is better than your plan. 
And if you can recognize that where he has you is the best place for you to be, then, then you can be content. It's a matter of right priorities and trusting God, isn't it? Trusting that he knows best and living every moment for him. Well, thank you for listening today. Be sure to check out other episodes of this podcast at everthinehome.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Barbara's blog and join us next time for Ever Thine Home with Barbara Rainey.